Welcome to the UFTA Podcast. Hosted by Emily O'Connor and Jordan Rudolph. The UFTA Podcast brings you a surprisingly fresh take on everyday topics in health, fitness, and everything in between. We want to open the door to explore new information and new solutions in a way that's easy for you to understand and apply to your own life. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the UFTA Podcast. I'm Jordan Rudolph. And I'm Emily O'Connor. We're back with you, Season 3, Episode 30. We're answering a question of, well, instead of one size fits all, one shoe fits all. Does one shoe fit all? Um, If you can't tell from the title, we're talking about shoes. Yeah, I think it's one thing in training equipment and kind of like the repertoire, right? We lend to tend to lend ourselves more towards the body and doing things for the body but to a degree like equipment does matter what you have available to you from a training perspective does matter and what you are wearing certainly matters uh, per the activity that you're doing and I would argue none more important from a things you wear than the shoes you wear will dictate kind of your training based on what you're doing. The, performance I, and training, I suppose. Yeah, I was just going to say, the hard part is like if we think about this very easily about just sports, there's a different shoe for every sport. Football, baseball, soccer all have cleats, but they're all designed differently for the sport themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But they're all cleats that help us per- perform better in the sport. There's also shoes designed just strictly for fashion, right? But there's very rarely in mind... Uh, a shoe designed that helps the foot function like the foot is actually supposed to function. Like shoes were created to help uh, establish or or help boost performance, boost stability, do all these things, which in turn, they actually like turn the foot off a little bit. Like they don't Mm -hmm. let the foot do all the foot's natural things that it's supposed to do, which if we think about the joint by joint approach one more time on this, um, or just biomechanics in general, if our foot isn't functioning like it's supposed to, when we aren't in shoes, or if we get so used to having a shoe, the foot then doesn't work as well, which then why do we expect anything above the foot in our body to work as well? Ankle, knee, hip, core, low back, shoulders, Mm -hmm. elbows, like legit people think about this like that because it's real. If the feet aren't working well because of shoes, taking that opportunity away from them to do that, it it can spiral entirely like cascade of events in a negative way Mm -hmm. yeah and oftentimes we don't even realize right it's just like training where the body will adapt to whatever stimulus you give it so if you're used to wearing um i'll use like my aunt for an example she's used to wearing like a very supportive clog she usually works in a hospital setting very supportive high arches right very rigid sole Right. And my mom, who I'm sure is listening to this episode, so shout out to her, who specializes in Thanks, Gretchen. Who shout who specializes in feet with her PT work, right? Is always on her about having her foot function like a foot and how that affects everything else she's feeling on a day-to-day basis. So we don't often realize the impact over time, right, of years, literal years of our lives changing the shapes of our feet in the shoes that we are wearing and selecting different shoes for different activities, even if that activity is not 
playing football, playing soccer, right? Like we're not going to wear a cleat just casually walking around. But are the shoes we're wearing casually walking around the best ones for our body to function as a human body, right? Are they the best ones for the feet in order to be a foot to its fullest capacity? And if not, how can we make one more step towards having that be a little bit better? Or at the very least, having those shoes match the activity that we're trying to do in the gym, which to bring this back to a training side is where we're going to focus today. And I think you brought up a good point there, Em. We think about all the time that we spent during a day in shoes Mm -hmm. here in America first world problems like most of us have shoes on all the time and we have shoes designated for specific things that we can wear whether they are the correct shoe or not is another tale that we're kind of going into but if 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 you're playing a sport for example that sport's going to last at most maybe four hours mm-hmm. so you're only in that shoe for four hours maybe a day maybe a little bit probably a little bit longer pre post all the stuff but what are you doing the other part of the day where you're where, where you're in a shoe what type of shoe is that um, so hopefully there's some, there's some care or some maintenance towards that. Um, and in particular, what we're talking about here with the gym side of things, the training side of things, there's performance and there's a lot more biomechanical advantage mm-hmm. to having the shoe complement the foot, not just something that kind of masks the injury, like, like, there's a lot of people that we see that wore these huge boat shoes for certain things because the doctor told them this or they were told that or they have a good supination support, arch support, whatever it is. And when something is doing that for the body, the body doesn't have to work as hard so now the ankles aren't as mobile mm-hmm. as maybe they were before. So when we're doing stuff in the gym that is supposed to help with our real life, we're also trying to work through these joints again to get these capacities and these thresholds back to normal. Um, and, and we're, we can't get them through regular shoes because we're actually, they're actually holding us back through what we're trying to accomplish. Well, of course, I mean, so when we think a few episodes ago, maybe a handful of episodes ago, we did an episode about living without compromise, right? So mm-hmm. when we think of this, if we're used to wearing a very supportive shoe and something in life demands us to be barefoot, demands us to wear a different type of shoe, we have to immediately change our habits around that activity because our body isn't yet trained to accomplish it. So if we are wearing shoes that aren't perhaps the quote unquote best option for our foot to have intrinsically the most strength, we should at the very least be training the foot to be intrinsically strong and minimizing the amount of time we spend in those less than ideal shoes, right? First one that comes to mind is pretty much anything with a heel, right? Like ladies wearing high heels, probably not the best. You'll notice immediately... Work for fashion. Right. Again, another fashion thing. Um, but you'll notice the soreness immediately, right? I wear high heels for an hour. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this, right? Like, I never wear them. I usually wear things with very minimal drop, if any at all. But knowing those things, you can then make the informed decision to say, like, okay, I know this isn't the best, or if I'm doing XYZ activity... I need to have a shoe that's supportive of that. You no longer pigeonhole yourself into like, "Ah, I must wear my very supportive, super cushiony shoes. And if I don't have them on, I have to sit. 
I can't yeah. move at all. So you listeners, as you're, as you're hearing Emily and I kind of build up to this, you can clearly tell we're in support of shoes that give you your natural ability of your foot, your feet back. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 There's no question that Em and I are biased towards that and, and we support that and we believe in that. And research and results show, like hands down. We also understand that some people don't do well in that shoe because of certain orth- orthopedic considerations or because of some sort of histories in the past that don't allow them to, uh, I don't want to say there's, it's, it's, it's never too late type of thing, but some people are just at a point where they... We have to work into it too, right? Yeah. Like that's going to be a big caveat as we start to get into like what should a shoe look like? Yeah. Like if you're used to wearing a super supportive shoe, you transitioning into like the most minimalist shoe possible is probably not smart for multiple, multiple reasons, especially if you've been doing that yeah. for let's say 30 years. We're not going to accomplish that in a year. And two things then, just like we were talking about for sport and performance earlier, like there's a shoe for that. There's an ideal shoe that we feel is out there for a gym. Mm -hmm. And more so for the type of stuff that we do here in our gym and what we promote, if you want to call it functional fitness. But CrossFit created its own shoe line that basically mainstreamed this type of shoe. Um, a A minimalist trainer out there, excuse me. Um, so we, there's, there's performance based shoes for a gym and there's different types of that. But what I wanted to quick cover, do you want to give them the definition of minimalist and what that means? Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I don't know what the marketing of a shoe would sure. be, right? But yeah. like a minimalist shoe would be something with as minimal, con- like as minimal, uh, fabric or product between you and the ground that you're walking on. Yep. Right. So usually that means a zero drop so in traditional shoes a lot of them have what's called a heel to toe drop where the heel is slightly large slightly higher off the ground than the toe and it slopes down towards the toe um varying millimeters is what they're measured in of this minimalists will have typically have a zero millimeter drop so it will be flat from heel to toe and will have very little sole of the shoe between the floor and your foot. So. I think um, I think minimalist is still considered zero to four. I think they consider that minimalist, I think. I think standard is, is it nine or 13? It's high, yeah. I know that. I, for running shoes, I'm a little bit more familiar from like a purely running standpoint. Typically what they would say is like a neutral drop shoe is like from five to eight. Okay. Is kind of in that like so, neutral range yeah. of what they would say. And then above eight, there's more of a significant drop. Now, in the mainstream, I don't know the, the stat. Like, I would argue probably more above that eight yeah. than not. So maybe, yeah. So basically, the, the minimalist shoe brings your foot back to more of a barefoot feel than not. Mm-hmm. And and the, the only basic support that you have on your shoe outside of coverage is the sole gripping the floor. Um, that that's that's like you just get extra grip and extra stability in the foot itself different surfaces xyz but the minimalist shoe brings the brings brings the the foot back to almost doing its barefoot things and that's the power of it like em said earlier that is hard for a lot of people to uh, just, just literally walk into or step into they need mm-hmm. time to build up to it you and i say this wearing minimalist shoes right now right we wear these sometimes eight to ten hours a day mm-hmm. um walking on cement floors with rubber coating on top of it. 
was it rough right away? Yeah, I probably don't remember it all. But now, like, I cannot wear not minimalist shoes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I need the minimalist shoes. Uh, and I like it because it gives me more feel back in my feet at all times. I'm not constricted. And like you were saying about heels, um, I tend to wear shoes out now if I wear like tighter toe shoes. The other thing about most shoes is that their toe box is, is narrower. So it pulls your toes together. Your toes should be able to freely move in the box, in your toe box, in the shoe itself. This is where bunions and a lot of problems happen in like the, the inside, the medial part of your feet where the, the big toe is basically being smashed into your other feet. Uh, for hours and hours at a time mm-hmm. and it creates a dysfunctional foot pattern and and that's part of these these shoes doing this as well so what we wanted to let you know is that there is a shoe for everything out there but it's not one shoe mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going to need multiple shoes but you should have shoes that support a what you're trying to accomplish with those shoes whether it's casual wear comfortability sport but you should also if you're listening to this and if you haven't figured it out yet, our surprisingly fresh, fresh take, get a shoe that brings your normal function of foot back or closer to that than possible, like as close mm-hmm. as you can get. Mm-hmm. That that would be beneficial, and this could take away back pain. This could help your core get stronger. This could help so many other things. And again, they, they don't re- they'll never really. I don't know if they'll ever make them for like basketball or soccer, football. Mm-hmm. They do enter the golf world now. Um, there's several different companies making them, but True Links is like the biggest biggest marketer in that. And running, they're all over the place. There, there's tons of, there's tons of brands in running. Mm-hmm. And these guys are putting in the most miles out of anybody, mm-hmm. right? Uh, guys and gals are putting in the most miles out of anybody in steps per day, miles per day for these people, and they're running in these shoes. So it clearly it's beneficial to the right sport, right situation. We feel that you can get the best control out of your body from a nervous system and muscle activation, again, biomechanically speaking, out of a more minimalist style shoe than not. Mm -hmm. So we're making sure we're not telling people they need to go total minimalist like you and I operate in. Right. But closer to than not. Yeah. I think having a shoe that at least gives you that opportunity, right? Even if it's something that you just try every once in a while, will create almost a middle ground between, say, you are in like a super cushy, use Hoka is probably like the easiest example of these, Mm -hmm. like, massive soles they are meant to be comfortable clouds on your feet i've personally never want to put one on my foot but everyone i talked to who has them said they're just like running on clouds and the difference between that and barefoot is huge so if we can find some middle ground there with something with less of a heel toe drop something where you can feel the ground a little bit more from a training side we then get better contact with the floor which to draw back to the initial intro of the episode improves everything up the chain our feet can grip the ground we can feel our body our lower body turn on especially if we're doing like a lower body exercise let's do a squat or a deadlift we can feel the ground all of our force or powers going into the floor to lift whatever the weight is there are no leaks where that shoe could potentially be actually hindering us from a strength standpoint and we don't even realize it because we aren't thinking necessarily about the shoe itself or the foot even itself. Um, and again, a lot of this comes back to fashion, like what shoe's in right now, right? Oh, like for sure. I'm a big fan of Chuck's, Chuck Taylor's, old school Converse shoes. I love them. I always have. I wear them. They're probably one of the worst shoes for my feet. They're a, They pull my toe in more. They're also slanted a little bit in, and my feet are more flat wide. Um, a chiropractor I go to hates them for me. 
But uh, what happens is I just really wear those suckers down. I break them in and then they mold basically to my foot. Uh, I do have a new pair of shoes coming in for casual wear. I am listening. Um, so I'm hoping to, I'm happy and hoping to, hoping to report back on uh, the success for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not chucks, but they look cool. So trying to find well, the best of both worlds. I think it is finding sometimes that compromise too, right? Like I'll use me as a personal example. Like I run in basically barefoot looking shoes mm-hmm. for the trails, but when I run on the road, I prefer something with more of a heel toe drop. Like I run in an eight millimeter heel toe drop shoe because that is my gate for running. Like yep. I didn't want to change my running gate. That's going to take an extreme amount of time. I'm more comfortable just doing it this way. The amount of miles I run, knowing that I also spend the most of my day in a barefoot shoe. On your right? feet. On yeah. my feet. So it really has that trade-off. So when you look at these things on a full spectrum in bringing it outside of the gym from a life perspective, you want to spend more of your time allowing your body to function as a body, your foot to function as a foot, than not. For sure. And then when we bring it back to the training side, it only improves things there. So you and I like Vivo Barefoots. They're they're expensive. They're only getting more expensive. Mm-hmm. They're in limited stock all the time. Unless um, your feet are small like mine. Yeah. Then they're always in stock. Then they're always in. <laughs> so that's the ones that Em and I wear. We like those a lot. But Reebok Nanos, Nike Metcons, um, New Balance M or V 250Xs, uh, Flux Footwear, No Bulls. All, there, there's so many different companies out there now that do this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's so many out there. And, and, and you can just look up Training Minimalist Shoe and you'll see them all pop up. You can't go wrong. You can then have a little bit of your cake by fashion and eating it too. And you can also mm-hmm. stay brand loyalty to your brand if you want to. But right. Zeros is another huge one that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of our members have those as well. Um, and yeah, go from that point. But ideally something in the gym, let your toes be wide and free. Let them not get crushed. And something with a nice heel box that allows you to get comfortable and sit into your heels when you need to, not something that pushes you away from your heels, like some of these very high heel to toe box, uh, heel heel to toe shoes uh, do. Yeah. I think that about sums it up. I think be aware, be aware of your shoes and invest in perhaps a pair if you're able to as well. Yep. Worth Um, it. And and work your way into it. Don't go zero to a hundred or a hundred to zero in this case, I suppose is the, the better way to put it. Yep. As always, thank you guys very much for listening to this week's episode of the OOFDA podcast. Share this episode with someone who you think needs to or might want to hear it. Leave us a rating, a review, subscribe, download, all the things that help us to grow organically and deliver more surprisingly fresh takes to more people. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you.